Hi, my name is Peter Maestri and you're listening to Divorce the First Six Months. If you are someone who is about to go through a divorce or maybe you're healing from one, then you're in the right place. This conversation and the stories you're going to listen to focus on people who have gone through a divorce and more importantly, how they navigated through it. Having said that, let's get right into it. Flash forward, we go to the addiction specialist together. And that was pretty eye-opening for me, even after, you know, reading a lot, listening to podcasts and all this stuff. She asked a question to open up at the very beginning of um, our discussion with her. And she used, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on it, but she used like a, oh, what am I trying to say? Like a abbreviation. And one of the letters was E. And she said, okay, eye opener. Do you drink in the morning? And he said, yes, yes. And I'm like, shit. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've questioned him in the morning before I've questioned him at church on Sunday mornings, like in my own head, never even had the balls to ask him, you know, but I, I wondered a couple of times. Um, so that was a big revelation to me of exactly what we were dealing with. I knew that he was hiding alcohol. I knew that I knew that he was worse at that time than I had seen him. Um, but that still shocked me. So she offered up, um, a, a, an outpatient, um, place to go to locally, I was pretty firmly against that. I didn't think it would be enough. I really, really wanted him to go out of state just because he's very private. And I just thought, I just want you to go. I want you to be able to drop, you know, work, life, kids, everything, just drop it all and focus solely on getting better. Um, And I pitched it every way that my sales brain knows how. And he declined every single option that I gave him every excuse. I mean, at first it was like, he didn't want the children to know. He didn't want work to know. He didn't want his ex to know. He didn't want, you know, and then he kind of got over all that in time, believe it or not, he told everybody, but, um, he still didn't go. So we, we landed on this outpatient thing and I thought, well, it's better than nothing. You know, it's a start. Maybe it'll propel him into, you know, really wanting to get better, but it didn't. Um, he's like a politician. I went to one of his group lessons or group sessions. You know, everyone else in the room almost had been inpatient, like on the brink of death, either suicide attempt or um, liver failure or, you know, a drug overdose or whatever. They were all forced to be there and they were all sharing their stories really transparently. It was, you know, horrible and hard to listen to, um, but not, not my ex. <laughs> He sat there like, um, like he was the leader, like he was the teacher, like he had everything to offer everyone in the room, all the solutions, all the answers. He had it totally under control. Um, they were, they were randomly, you know, giving urine tests here and there and stuff. And a funny thing started to happen with that. He, um, started showing up positive for THC, (laughs) And it was kind of funny because in retrospect, because I didn't even freaking catch on for a while because he was, um, this is, I sound like, like such a like airhead. He, um, 
he would use um, CBD oil all the time in front of me, offer it to me, give it to our dog, take it all the time. And he tried to convince me that, you know, it was so high powered. It was such good stuff that it must be like leaking through. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such an idiot. He just transferred his addiction from alcohol to edibles or to, you know, weed so that he could get through life. And um, so that sucks, you know, in retrospect, like figuring that piece out. Um, what was it like, for I, you though? like where, where in, when you were seeing all of this stuff happening, uh-huh. like when you finally realized it, what was that like? It was um, frustrating. It was really frustrating um, because I was putting hours of my day into trying to help him. And all that it did was piss him off. And in addition to just like that stuff, he was um, at the very end, he accused me a couple of times, I think, of cheating on him, which I wasn't never did. Um, But like my phone dinged, you know, one night, like it later than it would have, or I got a call or something. It was a neighbor lady. And he was like, is that your boyfriend? I'm like, I know what that means, by the way, because typically when people, this has happened to me before, you know, start accusing you of cheating, it's because maybe they are or, you know, so that's where my head went. And I told him, I said, you know what, that makes me think, right? And at the same time, he also told me um, he wasn't sure if he was in love with me anymore. And um, he stopped having sex with me. Like we were very sexual and he cut off all physical touch. And it was a few within a few weeks, I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is such a contrast from our years together. And it felt awful. It felt like he was, you know, punishing me. And then he actually said those words, like, I don't know if I'm attracted to you anymore. It's like, what? Okay, (laughs) great. Now I've got nothing to work with nothing. I've got a guy who doesn't want to get better. He doesn't know if he loves me. He doesn't want to touch me. You know, it's all, it all started spiraling. So when did your first six months start? Like, when did you know? Where were you? So I knew in March that we were headed in a bad place and we moved out in June. So that's the first four months would be me figuring things out in the house. So I started, um, talking to my daughter pretty frequently about things to keep her clued in to get her. I needed to stay close to her because of the situation in our house. I mean, it got shitty. He was, um, he was scoffing at me all the time. And like, if I would try to talk about something important, he would laugh in my face. He was rolling his eyes at my daughter and I, you know, and I went, I took my daughter to lunch. It was in May, which is, right before we, a month before we moved out or a few weeks, probably before we moved out. And I told her, I said, look, I'm just asking him to be a polite roommate at this point. Like while he's in this therapy for 12 weeks or whatever, I'm just, and I'm trying to give him time, you know, to really work on things. And that's the hard part. You don't know how long to give someone at the end to, you know, feel like you've, done your due diligence and given it a chance. But at the same time, I'm, I'm putting my child through living in a house where it sucks, you know, and it sucked for me and it was hard. Um, I found myself more mad day in and day out than sad. And so 
when I told my daughter, I was hoping that he would become a more polite roommate. She's like, mom, don't you think that bar is a little low? Don't you think after all that you've given to our family over these years that you should have higher expectations than that? I was like, yes, it was a big light bulb moment for me that I was not prioritizing correctly that, you know, I need, I'm sorry. I said, it's amazing how that happens. Like how you prior, you, you put yourself in a position where you don't prioritize yourself. So what was the, was it your daughter that gave you the strength to, to do that? hundred percent, hundred percent. My daughter, um, she, we talked that same day. I said, okay, well, if we, if we make plans to move out, you know, what does that look like for us? Because I, I will try to convince him to let us stay in the house, but I'd already kind of gone that I had already had those conversations and he was not freaking budging. He would, I mean, it was bad. He just kind of dug in his heels and was like, if you're going to leave, you're going to leave, you know, the whole victim mentality thing. It's set in real early with him. Um, and he liked the narrative of me, you know, leaving him while he was getting better. So, um, I had to prepare Lainey to, or sorry, my daughter to move out of the house. And so she, um, she's like, well, I would like to move into, you know, X, Y, Z apartment down the street. And I'm like, really? I'm like, is that where you want to go? I mean, there's one really nice place to move. Yeah. And she was good with it. And we talked through it. And so that started to become like my exit plan. Like how to, you know, worst case scenario, if we have to move out, that's where we're going to go. So, um, over the course of time, I guess it would have been like, um, April, May of that year, we, um, I started kind of putting the wheels in motion because I could see it was, you know, definitely going to happen. Um, I remember my daughter was in a dance recital. It was a really long event. And when she wasn't in routines, I would go out to the car and I would look at the finances. So for two months, the last two months of our marriage, I didn't transfer like her child support money over to the joint account. I had to like keep it in, in reserve, you know, because I knew that I'd have to have a deposit and all this stuff. And I'm like, how do you do that? You know, when I didn't, and it felt awful. I mean, I felt guilty. Like I was, like I was hiding money, but I'm like, it's late, you know, it's my daughter's money. It's not, you know, whatever. So, but it didn't feel good. It felt like I was being sneaky, but I was looking back, I'm so proud of myself for taking the time to execute it all, you know? So I, I remember that day in the car while she was dancing, like working on, um, our bills, like setting everything up to get paid and then setting everything up to split the finances so that I could move out. Um, I went one day, uh, I set up an appointment and went to look at the apartments by myself just to get a feel for what I was getting into and to know how much it would cost and stuff. And my ex tracked my phone. We still were sharing locations. And he was like, what are you doing at the apartment? This conversation started because someone challenged me to be vulnerable. So I'm challenging you. Share yourself and your story. Be courageous. Be vulnerable. It makes a difference.